Welcome to Wandering in Hope. Now here's Madisonville Church of God pastor, Josh Benson. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Josh. Um, we're going to finish our discussion of consumer Christianity. All right, I'm going to take you in a, to the Gospel of Matthew and to the story of Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you're probably familiar with this story if you grew up in church at all. Uh, pretty dark moment in Christ's life from which he emerges victorious. And the disciples, they sort of get a kick in the pants. <laughs> they sort of mess this up. Um, but what I want to show you is how that Jesus has really called you. Jesus has called you into relationship to find satisfaction in serving the Lord in your personal life. Okay? In Matthew 26, I want to read this sort of fast, okay? But verses 36 through 46, I'm going to read it fast. Uh, you can go back and check it on your own. I'll hit the high points. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, this is James and John, along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. What if your best friend took you in the woods said, Hey, i got to go over here and meditate for a while. I'm vexed to the point of death. Sit here and watch for me. What would you do? Check this out. It says, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is not consumer Christianity, right? This is not Jesus saying, God, what can you really do for me? Right? <clears throat> okay. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Oh, man, they have messed this up, haven't they? And Jesus says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch him pray so that you would fall not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible... For this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. This is Jesus saying, Lord, what can I do for you and your people? So he comes back, verse 43, comes back again. And he finds them sleeping again. My goodness. What have these guys been on melatonin for three weeks? What's their problem? It says, because their eyes were heavy. Oh, that's a good excuse. Next time your pastor says, Hey, I saw you sleeping this morning. Don't tell him his sermon was terrible. Just tell him, say, Pastor, it's in the Bible. My eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He returns to the disciples and says to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. And the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. There's a man named J. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor uh, was a very famous missionary strategist to China. And Taylor actually became such an influential force in the missionary field in China that he was responsible for flooding that, uh, that missionary market. It's a terrible word to use, but anyway... With, uh, with, with young missionaries. And so he was uh, viewed as the elder statesman, if you will, and he would interview a lot of these young missionaries. There's a guy, uh, his name was uh, uh, George Scott. 
George Scott showed up one day and he wanted a job as a missionary in China. He walks through the door, walks into Taylor's office to do the interview. He sits down. Taylor looks at him and he says, hmm, he says, with only one leg, why are you thinking of being a missionary? And George Scott paused for a minute. He looked up at Taylor and he said, well, I don't see people with two legs going. <laughs> he was hired. <laughs> How could you not hire that guy, right? I want to ask you two questions. Did Jesus purchase you with his blood to spread his good news? Yes or no? Question number two. If Jesus did that, what is keeping you from doing that? Spreading the gospel. Fair enough, right? Consumer Christianity is what bogs down most Christians. Um, if I wanted to find a reason to leave my wife, I could find a reason because she ain't perfect. And if she were sitting here right now, she would have just said, and if I wanted to find a hundred reasons to throw Josh out of the house, <laughs> I could have done it in the first 30 seconds I knew him. Right? So th this is life. All right? I think what happens a lot of times is we're either making excuses. Moses made excuses. Moses said, God, I, I can't be watchful. I can't be vigilant. I can't be your man. I got a speech problem. But we remember him now as the greatest prophet of Israelite history. All right? um, David didn't look like the right player. David wasn't the guy you pull off first string to hit the game-winning shot. David wasn't as strapping and uh, strong and big as, as his brothers. He was younger. Uh, but David was a good shepherd. What David lacked in the battlefield, he had learned being faithful to a few things that God had given him. So here's what I'm going to tell you. As you pound away at the comment section thinking, oh man, I got to win this $50 gift card. I got to define consumer Christianity. The whole purpose of this is that I hope that you think about what you're doing for the Lord in your life. Are you really doing something to give back for the kingdom of God? In the church today, I believe that God wants to turn the hearts of sinners back to Him. No different than what God's paradigm goal uh, has been for all of redemptive history. How does that happen? How does God turn hearts? Two ways. First, God can't turn a sinner's heart without the blood of Jesus being applied to their life, without the Lamb covering their sin. The other thing that has to happen in order for God to turn somebody's heart is guess what? God needs you. God needs you. That's why you can't fall asleep. That's why you've got to be watchful. That's why you've got to be ready to move and do and go where God has called you to. Alright? So speak up. I want to encourage you today. I'm not browbeating you. I'm not trying to say, oh, look at the poor, pitiful Christian church today. What a mess it is. No, not at all. God's always had a remnant of people. There's some great groups of people out there doing great things, even here in Monroe County. 
Here's what I'm telling you. Don't be one of the slackers. Be somebody doing something for God. Make a difference in the world around you because you can. You are called by God. You do have a gift. You do have a talent. Use it. Find it. And that will figure out who you are for your own self and for your own success and peace in life. All right. So speak up. Why do we speak up? Because Christ died. We speak up because Christ died. Christ died to give us the power, not the right to go to heaven. That's not why Jesus died for you. Jesus didn't die for you so that you could go home one day and say, Hey, Grandma, I'm not going to go to hell. I don't get to live right beside you for eternity. And your grandma said, Man, I hope I got switches in eternity. No, that ain't why God died for you on the cross. So you can go to heaven. That's a joke. Jesus died for you to vindicate the name of God in redemptive history. Jesus died on the cross for one reason. So that God's glory would be displayed. So that what Satan thought that he had tainted through sinful humanity in Eden would be turned back right by the hand of God. Uh, N.T. writes a history of Jesus. It's called Jesus and the Victory of God. I don't agree with everything Wright says in it. He's a good historian. But that's the best title ever put to a story about the history of Jesus' life. Jesus and the victory of God. That's what Jesus' life was about. It wasn't about you and you going to heaven. It was about Jesus being able to set captives free so that the captive then can reflect the glory of God because all of life is about what? God. I'm going to tell you this story and then we'll end. Because some of you are thinking, man, this preacher's crazy. I, I can't believe I've listened to almost three of these now. In John chapter 9, the disciples bring to Jesus a blind man. And they say to this, they, they say to the Lord, Man, what is wrong with this dude? He's blind. Look at him. What did his grandparents do? What did his parents do? What did somebody at some point do? Sin. Some, somebody sinned somewhere. It's sin's fault. It's somebody's fault. And he's blind because of it. And Jesus looks at them and he says, This man is this way so that today God will be glorified. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That'll mess up your understanding of divine providence, sovereignty, and all that. You're going to sit on that for a while, sister, brother. So what Jesus basically tells them is, this man's blind for one reason. I'm going to give you the reason. Because I'm going to heal him today, and God will get the glory. <laughs> man, that is radical. If the understanding of that ever really broke loose in the church... Oh my goodness. Can you imagine how much we would accomplish? 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 72% of the world, they say, has seen a can of Coca-Cola. Those are pretty big numbers if you think about it. 51% of the world has tasted a can of Coca-Cola. Coke has been around for 130 years. 1886, John Pemberton took his syrup concoction to the local pharmacist. And the local pharmacist tasted it. He's like, man, this is good stuff. They put it in carbonated water. He's like, whoa, it's really good stuff. And so Coke has been around for 130 years, and 97% of the world has heard about Coke by now. 
Imagine if God had hired Coke, Coca-Cola, to advertise the gospel. Our job would be done by now. He could have fired all of us. So what's wrong with the church? I'll tell you what's wrong. A wise man once said, for evil to profit, we just need good men to do nothing. For the kingdom to die, we just need good men and women to do nothing. Don't do nothing. Do something. Ask not, what can the church give me? Ask, what can I give my church? What can I do for my community? How can I, you, change your world? This is Pastor Josh. I hope you've enjoyed. Leave your comments. I'm going to read them. And uh, the first Sunday in July, Sunday morning, you come to church. I'm going to pick who it is. You'll know who it is. And uh, I'm going to give you a $50 gift card of a surprise. And uh, that may be a little bit of an oxymoron, considering I'm trying to teach against consumer Christianity. Uh, say, Pastor, why did you do that? You're messing me up. I know. I don't have good reasons for that. But I hope you come to church and check us out. So God bless you. This is Pastor Josh signing off.